Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, this is Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution. Today, delighted to be your podcast host and guest, but we'll get to that in a moment. And I want to welcome you to this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast presented by Agency Revolution, creators of Fuse. Fuse is the insurance marketing software that skyrockets retention, boosts policy per customer, and makes your clients love your agency. Without you having to hire more staff, programmers, or technologists, if you haven't done it lately, visit agencyrevolution.com. Request a demo of their award-winning software. You'll be glad that you did. So today, as I mentioned, our guest is Michael Chance. And uh, what what I'm attempting to do in this conversation that I'm about to share with you is address head-on, eyeball-to-eyeball, face-to-face, what may be the single biggest challenge in insurance marketing today. And I I believe that that's true, whether you're an agency, whether you're an insure tech, whether you're running a a, a small regional carrier, the internet gave everyone a megaphone. Every business is now a communication business. And the airwaves are full of noise, clamor, confusion. (laughs) I'm sure that when you get to the end of the day and you reflect deeply on what you were exposed to online, most of it's just not that interesting. And a lot of it's just junk. How do you get your agency to rise above the crowd? That's the question that I'm attempting to answer. How can you be the signal above the noise? The, and the one, that, <clears throat> the one that your market listens to, the one that your market respects, and the one that your market chooses to follow so that you can engage in the marketplace, lead the marketplace uh, with, uh, and market to the marketplace with integrity. You can earn loyalty. You can earn loyalty at the first point of contact in the marketplace. So that's what I'm addressing here. And I do that uh, in some sense through a very personal story about a challenge that at the time seemed bigger than me. Uh, and the discovery is something that really did change my life forever. So we're going to be covering the principle of what I call thought leadership marketing. And so in this conversation, I will cover uh, the difference between thought leadership and thought leadership marketing, uh, why thought leadership really is the most powerful marketing strategy available to you today, the four building blocks um, of thought leadership marketing, the four M's, and then I'm going to share with you my nine-step recipe. Follow that recipe and see the difference. Now, um, so if you've wondered about how to rise above the noise, how to make words like integrity, trust, and loyalty more than just platitudes, like the kind of platitude you might have thrown on a yellow page ad 20 years ago, um, if, if you have the appetite to generate a steady stream of leads who are predisposed to do business with you, then you'll enjoy this. I also have um, more material, more course material that I'm making available. And if so, if this is a topic that um, gets your juices going, then when we're done or anytime, it's easy to remember, uh, visit my new site, www.thoughtleadershipsecrets.com. So can you remember that? www.thoughtleadershipsecrets.com. And uh, now, without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce Michael Jans. Hey, Michael Jans here, and I'm going to share with you some insights that have been revolutionary for me, uh, have been highly productive for a number of my clients, and um, I think can potentially be a game changer for well, agencies and insure techs um, who want to get to the next level. Uh, So today's conversation, uh, this is me interviewing me, but I do have a very structured way to do this, as I normally do with a guest as well. 
Uh, in this case, it's me sharing my insights on thought leadership marketing in the modern age of insurance, which is a way for you to be able to command the market of your choice with integrity, authority, and loyalty. Uh, true story. Um, a short while ago, a relatively new client of mine said to me, Michael, I know we need to get into digital marketing. I'm really worried that we're going to fall behind. And I, I will share with you and I'll share with the industry the same response that I uh, shared with that client, which is digital marketing is easy. No coding required. Kids can do it. You can hire somebody to connect it. The technology part, which seems to mystify everybody because there are a lot of moving parts. The technology part is easy. The tool, and one of the reasons is that the tools that are available uh, that are popular are popular because they're easy to use. The hard part, the most important part, is once you've got those tools that allow you to communicate to the marketplace and communicate to your customers, what are you going to say? What's the juice that's going to flow through the pipes of that digital technology? Uh, this reminds me of um, a survey that I conducted at the beginning of this year, near the beginning of this year. I surveyed over 9,000 agencies and I asked one question. And the question was, uh, what is the biggest challenge or obstacle you face to uh, growing your agency? And I got a lot of answers back and they all more or less fell into um, one theme, which is, uh, you know, in general, it's kind of confusing. There's a lot to do. I don't know what to do, but, and the but part is really important, but I want to do it with integrity. I want to do it with authority. I want to, I want to be respected as the expert. And I think the sense was uh, an intuitive or maybe a well-grounded understanding that the money is in the loyalty, that when we have deeper, stronger, more loyal relationships, people are indeed more willing to stay longer, more willing to refer more people, more willing to buy more. And if, they're, if they are inclined or predisposed to do business with you bef even before they do, in other words, if you've attracted them appropriately as a prospect, then they're uh, predisposed to become a customer. Uh, and so it's like some of the answers I got were, uh, for me, this, this is, these are actual words from survey respondents. For me, it comes down to how to market and grow the, the right way. I mean, with integrity and sincerity, with the thought of making sure to touch on the emotional and educational aspects of our potential clients. That was a common theme or uh, the combination of attracting the ideal prospect. Okay and indoctrinating that prospect to see me as the, all caps, authority, and the person who's uniquely qualified to help them achieve their objectives. So I thought, when I, when I read that, back, this was back at the beginning of the year, I thought, oh, well, I know how to do that. In fact, the whole notion of marketing tricks, I hear that one a lot. <laughs> it makes my skin crawl when people say, hey, what are the marketing tricks that work these days? And my response on that one is, if you want deep, loyal relationships with your customers, why would you ever trick them anywhere? So let's get that word out of the marketing vocabulary. It's a misunderstanding of what marketing is. People think that the, the purpose of it is to trick people into doing business with you. No, it's just the opposite. If you want loyal customers, why not create loyal prospects? If you want customers who respect you, why not create prospects who respect you? And so when I looked at these answers, I thought, oh, yeah, I know how to do that. I was forced into it. So another true story. This is where I discovered my recipe or the first version of it. When I was the chief executive officer of Agency Revolution, this was a startup in SureTech. Uh, and everything you've ever heard about how difficult startups are is uh, true, probably times 10. <laughs> it's, they're very true. And it's just hard, um, particularly if you've got a, if you're a pioneer like we were, because this was years ago, this was over a decade ago. 
12, 13 years ago. And after a couple of years, we, we were still struggling to get traction. We were making sales, but in technology, uh, you really do need to scale or die because if you don't scale, the, the consequences, you could, well, you can see the consequences in the landscape of roughly 80% plus of technology companies just don't make it. And that was unacceptable. Um, and so, and the irony here was we had a lot going for us. Um, we, we had good marketing, we had good product, we had a good team, we had good leadership, we had a good reputation in the field. And so uh, I still recall to this day, um, a strategy meeting with the C-suite of our startup and our chief revenue officer, Rick Fox, who's now um, head of agency sales at Vertifor. He said, uh, we need more because we're not quite getting the attention and the respect in the marketplace that we need in order to scale. And his idea was, let's make Michael the industry thought leader on agency customer relationships. And so, and we all had a positive feeling about that, um, though we weren't quite sure what that meant. We had a vague sense <laughs> that if I took a strong position on something with a unique perspective on it um, and... Uh, guided people uh, along a sort of a broad industry-wide conversation that would be beneficial to the company. We'd be able to force um, guide lead prospects to a solution, which we felt that we had. Um, I'd been a marketer at that point for probably 20 years. Um, and some may have conceived of me as a thought leader in some areas. And if I was, it was a byproduct, but it wasn't a strategic objective. Now we were saying, let's make it a strategic objective. So I studied it and I came across a gold mine. <laughs> um, and I would highly recommend that an article in the Harvard Business Review called The Guru's Guide to Creating Thought Leadership. And this was written by um, H. James Wilson. Um, he's a well-respected um, member of an advisory firm right now. And it was based on his work with a couple of other authors whose name I won't mention now, where they, uh, they performed scholarly research ranking the top 200 thought leaders. And they determined who they were and the ranking by uh, an algorithm that considered the number of Google searches, citations in the social sciences citation index, uh, and media mentions in LexisNexis. And out of that, they developed a four-step model for thought leadership. Boom, I thought, okay, I got it. And that was what I used to create my first roadmap. And then things happened. Uh, we launched this podcast, which now has over, I think we're around 250,000 downloads. By the time you hear this, we're either right before or right after. I've interviewed uh, over, well, 200 of the leading thought leaders in insurance and marketing. Um, we published guidebooks, which now have over 350,000 downloads. And I was asked to address the top insurance organizations in the United States and Canada. I was the first outside speaker at Tra uh, Traveler's Top Leadership Conference. Um, I was asked to address the board um, of the National Big Eye on the confluence of marketing technology and consumer behavior. Um, I was uh, asked to provide insight, guidance, training, um, or speaking for major carriers in the United States and Canada, like Safeco Travelers, Westfield, Aviva. Um, my work got published in every major trade magazine. Uh, I became uh, the co-author of the InsureTech book, and I was the only person in that book who really took a, an, an agent or broker advocacy position and talked about how agents can use contemporary technology to strengthen relationships with customers. But what really happened, the stuff that really mattered was not that. It was that it helped us get traction. It helped us scale. Uh, and ultimately, private equity started banging on our door and, we, uh, and I sold that company. So what I'm sharing with you literally is worth millions of dollars. So, so uh, I'm, I'm about to share my recipe and this will be useful for you if you want better results from the marketing you're already doing, any kind of marketing. If uh, you're too busy to accept slow results and you hate trial and error and the expense of it and, and you're tired of chasing every shiny new thing, 
um, if you want to be the obvious choice in your market and chosen for your authority, integrity, and respect, and if you want to stand out from the crowd. And that's important. Now, for insurance agents, it's particularly important. The average consumer can't tell the difference between one product and another. And they really have a hard time telling the difference between one agency and another. And we're seeing incredible consolidation, uh, both at the tippy top of, uh, of, our, of the carrier universe and at the bottom. The top five carriers in Personal Lines Auto own 60% of market share right now. 25 or six years ago was 42% of it that we're, we're seeing that this industry is changing. And so um, whether we like it or not, or sort of agree with the word or not, the, the consumer is seeing us more and more commoditized. So what are you going to do to stand out and attract people to you? So this is what I'm going to cover. <coughs> Four things. Uh, the breakthrough factor, why thought leadership is the most powerful kind of marketing today. Uh, two, uh, the key difference between thought leadership and thought leadership marketing, which is important. Three, the four building blocks of effective thought leadership and four, the nine step recipe for effective thought leadership marketing. So number one, the breakthrough factor in that list. Um, so there's not a lot of empirical research on the effective thought leadership. But one of the uh, a company that I think does a, an outstanding job of measuring um, the uh, market sentiment of um, uh, major um, businesses and companies is Edelman, perhaps the largest global public relations firm on the planet. Uh, so they published research on this um, in conjunction with LinkedIn in 2020 available online, their thought leadership impact study. This is what they determined. <coughs> thought leadership builds trust and loyalty. 89% of decision makers say it enhances their perception of an organization. Almost 90% thought leadership beats other marketing and turbochargers the marketing you do. 59% of buyers agree in organizations thought leadership is more trustworthy basis for assessing its capabilities and competencies than its marketing materials and its product sheets, okay? Um, thought leadership creates upsells and cross-sells. 53% of buyers claims it leads to upsells and 54% claims it leads to cross-sells. This is like the holy grail of marketing. <coughs> Get this one. Thought leadership allows you to sell with higher prices. 42% agree they're more willing to pay a premium to industry thought leaders as opposed to price. So if you never want to sell on price again, this is a solution. Thought leadership boosts search engine optimization while it increases trust and loyalty because Google consistently upranks the highest quality content. Thought leadership makes you stand out from the commoditized crowd. Again, in this industry, we're seeing more and more of what consumers think is commoditization. Um, Research shows you probably underestimate the power of thought leadership. About 50% of B2B marketers believe that thought leadership builds trust in their organization. But among actual buyers, <laughs> which is what really matters, that number is more like 83%. You don't want to wait until the sales part of the process to earn trust. With thought leadership, they'll trust you before they know you as 87% value. Thought leadership on a topic they're working on or thinking about. And we're going to circle back to that last point in a few minutes, what they're working on or thinking about. Um, now I want to describe the key difference between thought leadership and thought leadership marketing. Thought leadership fully, completely, and absolutely turns his face to the problems of the marketplace, offering free insight and solutions that add value to the market at first point of contact, earning trust and loyalty, and delivered with integrity and authority. That's my definition of thought leadership. Thought leadership marketing. See, now I'm remember I'm a 30-year direct response marketer. So I'm not I'm not performing thought leadership just to get famous. And you know, and 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 that does remind me of a um, a maxim that I learned from Dan Kennedy about the value of being famous in a small world. That's um, so, so 
we're not we're not doing it just to be famous. But so I so my um, focus is not just on thought leadership, but thought leadership marketing, which I define as thought leadership marketing simply connects its efforts to a marketing funnel that progressively enhances interest and trust, generating high quality leads, right? Because they're predisposed, who are predisposed to do business with you uh, or with the marketer. And as it continues, because thought leadership never stops, earns the marketer maximum customer lifetime value. So in other words, the research shows and the purpose of thought leadership marketing is to create relationships with people who are predisposed to buy from you, predisposed to buy more from you, predisposed to pay more to you, predisposed to be loyal to you, and predisposed to refer to you. And thought leadership marketing is designed to simply make that easy for them to do by providing a, an elegant, smooth funnel that guides them and moves them along. So uh, the next thing that I want to share this is really where it all starts, are the four building blocks of effective thought leadership, which are the strategic and tactical considerations of number one, the market, the strategically carefully selected and examined market. Number two, the message. Number three, the messenger. And number four, the media. So the four M's the market, the message, the messenger, and the media. The market, the message, the messenger, and the media. That's, the, that's what builds the flywheel of thought leadership so that it's always getting better and better. And so I want to walk through my nine-step recipe, and it follows those four building blocks, the four M's. Secret number one, which has to do with the market is be an expert in your customer, listening as a core business discipline. So you want to choose your market carefully and you should do the math on it. For example, in a spreadsheet that I often share with my clients, I ran these numbers. Let's say you have the choice. This is just an example, but the principle is solid. It's as reliable as math. Let's say you, uh, you have the option to sell uh, what you're selling for um, either option A, $167 a month, or option B, $250 a month. Okay, so they're not that far apart. Um, and if you sell one a week and you retain 90%, well, at the end of the first year, it's a $52,000 difference between those two. But at, at, with the cumulative compounding effect at the end of 10 years, it's a cumulative difference of $2.1 million. Pay attention to the selection of the market and understand the math of loyalty. So not only do you want to earn uh, the best possible customers, and in many cases, not all, that means customers who pay more. <coughs> Most cases, but not all. Um, but you want to understand the math of loyalty. So I talked a few minutes ago about uh, the, the monies in the loyalty. I often say the money's in the relationship, but, you know, really the, what you're measuring in the relationship is loyalty. Highly loyal insurance clients, according to Bain and Company's research, in our industry, they retain at 97%. They buy 25% more insurance. They refer 2.1 friends or colleagues per person. Uh, and ultimately, add this all up, they deliver 700% more customer lifetime value. That's where the money is, and they are not the dreaded price shopper. Um, so you want to select uh, carefully. You want to shoot for loyalty with really good, authentic thought leadership. And you want to, in order now, the, the, the other important part of this M, understanding the market, is you want to set up a listening booth, what I call a listening booth, listening as a business discipline. So I've got three suggestions. Number one, in tech, uh, you'll often hear the term for startups, do what can't be scaled. <laughs> there's a reason for that. Um, but there's, there's real value in it. Um, what can't be scaled, one-on-one -on -one conversations, small conversations, over coffee, over lunch, over Zoom, one-on-one. -on -one. Tell me, you know, what keeps you up at night? Tell me, what are you worried about? What are you fearful of? What are you hopeful for? What are your dreams? Uh, who are you listening to? Who are the thought leaders that you're paying attention to? Uh, what are they saying? 
find out what the conversation is. Number two, track. This is a, this is a, an overlooked resource because most principles uh, are often um, removed from kind of where the rubber hits the road. And there are other people in the organization that talk to the customers more often or talk to prospects more often. They, they should, for a period of time, ask them to track every inbound question or objection. That is a goldmine of data for you. Number three, the one question survey, like I talked about. Uh, easy technology, I mean, it costs, you know, the, the technology itself is almost nothing. Um, and again, I got such rich feedback that it's as if the market just told me, this is what you should say. And these are the words you should use. Secret number two, jumping in the zeitgeist, entering the conversation already going on in the heart and mind of the customer in the marketplace. That notion of jumping into the zeitgeist was identified by uh, that research article that was printed in Harvard Business Review. Um, <coughs> the concept of entering the conversation that's already going on in the mind of your customer is Robert Collier, one of the best copywriters of the previous century, 1930s and 40s, I think. Um, yeah, that's that's every copy every every serious copywriter knows that one. So you in your in your niche, you want to enter the cocktail party that's already going on, um, and you need to learn about it. So we're taking that listening booth kind of to the next level. Um, you want to be able to you've got to set up an R, RSS feed so you know what your market sees. So you want to identify what does your market read, what does your market view, what does your market listen to, what does your market watch and set up an RSS feed using a tool like Feedly. And um, you, you need to be in front of the same stream of problems and solutions that your customers are. Uh, and then um, as you examine that stream, you can use contemporary tools that are very easy, allow you to save highlights like Weva, um, allow you to save articles that you think are really valuable, like throw them in a pocket and then ultimately organize them and begin your outline. Eventually, when you're ready, I use Notion. Um, and then the other part of, uh, of this exercise is uh, to identify and follow the influencers in your market. They might be your competitors or they might be in parallel fields. Secret number three is discovering the sweet spot, finding the point of creative tension with your market. A um, couple of important principles here. One, again, from um, the uh, HBR article, it, um, finding the, um, discovering the P-cycle, understanding the P-cycle of an idea, and they call it the P-cycle. Um, it's like, a, uh, it's like a, a bell curve. Um, you know, it starts out low, goes up high, and then goes back down. And all of the stages are identified with a word that starts with P. So you start as a pro, the idea starts as a progenitor, and then it's a pilot, and then it becomes a project, and then it's a program within a company or within the industry in general. Um, so there's a life cycle to ideas. You don't want to be focusing on old ideas, um, but you probably don't. You want to be careful about focusing on. Uh, concepts and breakthroughs and strategies that are so new that uh, markets just uh, mo uh, uh, is not it's not mature enough um, and only the kind of um, oh you know the crazies and the radicals are ready for it um, <coughs> tech tech startups understand the the challenge of crossing the chasm you don't want to be too far but then once you make your selection remember now you're getting plenty of ideas because now you set up this listening booth and you know the flow of the conversations in your marketplace. So now you want to find the point of creative tension, uh, which is so imagine this, imagine this, that like um, there's, um, you know, your, your um, uh, marketplace is like a bunch of train cars, right? <laughs> and uh, the, the caboose is like way behind the conversation, <laughs> Um, uh, it's, and you don't even want to be in the middle of that, those train cars because, uh, you know, it's like, that's boring. Everybody else is already there. No, you're not adding anything, uh, but you don't want to be, uh, let's you've got the locomotive, you've got the engine. You can't be a mile in front of the train cars. You got to be right there connected right in front. So you're not too far away from the market. 
but you're not so far behind that, you know, it's like just a same old, same old. So there's a point of creative tension. That's what leadership has in, in any field. That's what it needs to find is that point where uh, the mag, the force of the magnet is strong enough to pull people towards you, but not so far away that the, the, there is no force in the magnet. And then um, in terms of polishing your message now that you've got your sweet spot. Yes, there are certain tools in the copywriter's toolkit that you start to bring out here. And, and um, either, <laughs> there, there are shortcuts on all of this stuff. I just don't have time for it. But yes, you need to be able to you know how to craft headlines and subheads and bullets and body copy and create uh, um, uh, a good word selection and uh, create the appropriate reading grade level um, there are ways to get this done. There, there is technology and there are resources uh, to get this done. So if you're thinking, I can't write or I can't do that, don't, and you may not even be writing. Maybe you'll be you know, delivering your content on camera or something. Don't worry about it. I, I've got shortcuts and solutions on how to get this stuff done. Uh, secret number four is adding wisdom to the conversation. And... Um, this, this is really is the way to grab the top spot because the thought leadership ladder is really, really short. Uh, you know, like your space, they don't have room for 17 thought leaders, okay? Uh, you know, we start to get down to one or two or three and you're looking for that one, number one spot. Uh, so I'm going to buzz through um, some ways to do that. Um, first, let me define it. Uh, in this case, wisdom. What I mean by that is unique insight. It's got to be unique because it's going to you're going to stand for it and it's going to represent you. Unique insight that solves problems and improves life. And you can do that by one, making the complicated simple. Two, uh, helping to make sense of things. Uh, number three, replacing confusion with clarity. And number four, making the impossible possible. So in other words, if somebody said uh, like, Oh, I, I really need to get into digital marketing. And for, so right now, he's, it's not possible for him. It's impossible. He needs a roadmap on how to do it. Boom, now it becomes possible. So that's where you add wisdom. So imagine this. Think of it this way. You've got a pyramid. <coughs> Down at the bottom of the pyramid is noise. That's most of the junk. That's most of the content that gets distributed in the marketplace today. But then move up. What's up above that? up near the tippy top signal, the signal of all the noise where people like, oh, I'm, I want to read what that guy has to say or listen to what that guy has to say or what she has to say. But then even up at the very tippy top, I would call that the clarion, the clarion call, the one horn that, uh, uh, that inspires hearts and calls people to war or calls people to action above every other signal. Now, there are uh, some tools I call this the packaging toolkit um, that help you communicate wisdom. So you might have a really good solution. You might have a unique insight, but you've got to be able to communicate it. These are some tools in the toolkit. One, uh, enumerating and sequencing. So examples I've used there, um, are the, from my own work, the five levels of the modern insurance agency. I've enumerated it and there's a sequence. You go from one level to the next. Likewise, the four stages of the marketer in the modern uh, age of insurance or four reasons never to sell on price. That one's not sequenced, but it's enumerated. <clears throat> or naming. When you name something, it, um, you give reality to it. So um, I've, uh, I've termed the nature of the client that I like to work with the insurapreneur. I, I made that word up. Uh, or that my 10-time time system was uh, uniquely built on what I call 10-time. Or, because uh, I'm not aware of anybody else who's using this term, thought leadership marketing, where you're connecting uh, the thought leadership with the power of marketing. Uh, picturing, so appropriate graphics. So um, I, uh, I'll often talk about the ACOR marketing model, attract, convert, optimize, and retain. I've got a graphic that shows it or the five levels. I've got a graphic that shows it. Uh, metaphors. Um, like uh, years ago, I had a tool I called the Mad Dog Time Optimizer. And so the Mad Dog was a metaphor for protecting your time. Uh, the concept of uh, well, high concept. It's kind of a Hollywood concept. Uh, an example often used is like 
the movie, Snakes on a Plane. Boom. Okay. <laughs> like it says it all right there. I've seen the trailers. I haven't seen the movies. Guess what it's about? <laughs> Snakes on a Plane. Um, and then uh, and then this is all really valuable is you have to solve a real problem. Um, and um, Wilson's work identified three ways. You may have others, uh, but some, to somehow help your reader or your audience be more efficient to be or to be more effective or to provide an innovation that changes processes. Secret number five, linking the new to the old, honoring your customer stories. This is a it's kind of a word of caution. <clears throat> People are loyal to that sense of who they are. And so um, sometimes disruptors flat out get into trouble and that they, so, uh, can get, grab a lot of attention with the... <laughs> with the uh, early part of the bell curve, the radicals and the crazies, but they never crossed the chasm. And I had a competitor who was very much like that and they never crossed the chasm. Um, and so you want to be respectful of their history and you want to be respectful of their stories. Um, so for example, with H- I, 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 in retrospect, I have wondered whether or not, though I was probably a, a big fan of it, whether or not we should have named Agency Revolution Revolution. I wonder, you know, in retrospect, w- w- in an industry that, you know, thinks evolution is radical, uh, revolution might have been too radical. And so, um, it, you know, where, where we started to get traction when we, was where we realized that we um, ha- uh, helped people with something that was really important to them and it always has been. So when we could say um, when we could say you've worked hard to build customer loyalty, boom, got it. That's my story. Now you can make it deeper, stronger, and longer. Hmm. How do I do that with modern tools they're used to? Oh, that makes sense. And so um, there's a there's a meta message when you respect them, which is you're saying implicitly, uh, I understand you, I listen to you, and that really really matters. Uh, secret number six is what I call the cultivated transparency, the guru, how to be the leader the market wants to follow. So now that now uh, we've moved into building block number three. So we've talked about the market. We've talked about the message um, and now the messenger, critically important, often overlooked. But, you know, if you think about some of the thought leaders that um, have influenced you or influenced the world. Uh, you'll often uh, be able to kind of identify some things about them, like Steve Jobs. Okay, um, and you know this is a, this is an important part of the story. You may you might be thinking, oh, <coughs> um, uh, 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 this is a business to business. Like this is for commercial lines. Look, Steve Jobs sold consumer products, and is often recognized as one of the leading thought leaders of the first decade of the century. Um, so there are some shortcuts to um, creating a position where people like they have to know who you are. They're really, yes, they might be following the ideas, but what they're really following is the person who has the ideas. So they're, they're, so number one is identifying the archetype of which there are too many for me to name here, but like the fear, you could be the fearless leader. You could be the wizard or the guru. You could be like Oprah, the best friend that's always looking out for you. The, the uh, selection of the archetype is important, and it's a, it's a balance between what comes natural to you, which is really important, and what the market most needs at that point in time. Backstories are critical because they help people understand you uh, and understand why you do what you do and why it's so important to you and makes them feel like they know you. Like Batman. Why was he bat- why was Why was Batman Batman? Oh, because of what happened in the dark alley and yada, yada. Um, and then it's uh, it, uh, it's valuable to have a handful of stories for the handful of important issues that either explain you or expire inspire your marketplace for like overcoming objections or uh, inspiring them to take action or to think differently about things. Um, and then oh the uh, you know uh, brand considerations are important, but don't spend six months doing it. Uh, um, this is a situation where progress is more important than perfection, but you really should be thinking um, now it becomes easy. You've identified um, (coughs) your, uh, you know, like your values and your characteristics. You've identified what's important to them. 
you've identified a little bit of the persona that you're presenting to your marketplace. So the the way in which uh, you, you you identify a few clear clear adjectives that you that um, you think describes you best for the position you're attempting to take in the marketplace and when you're working with a designer or what have you. Um, you don't have to do most of the work. That's the beauty of this. Number seven. Um, secret number seven is the size, shape, and sequence. What your content should look like, feel like, and sound like, and what order it should be in. So number one, you want to understand the funnel. Um, that's the sequence part. So when somebody um, first finds out about you, that's top of the funnel. That's where you have to enter the conversation already going on in their mind, okay? Not your mind. And then, so that's called tofu, top of the funnel. Uh, now, you st- when you start moving them along and, and they're uh, intrigued, um, they now may be thinking, oh, I need, I need to solve that problem. Um, I want to learn more about the solution. So that's a category clarity. That's called in the middle of the funnel, mofu. And then the bottom of the funnel, oh, you, oh, oh, person, oh, prospect, you're ready to solve your problem. Let me tell you about what we can do. That's bottom of the funnel, bofu. So there is different messaging for each stage. Um, and then, the, of course, there's another stage uh, after customer. After they're a customer, you want to continue to, to now. You've really got an opportunity to earn deep level loyalty and uh, to... Uh, to earn that 700% more uh, 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 customer lifetime value. Uh, Secret number eight, owning your platform. So now we're moving on to the final M, media, owning your platform, mastering the art of the episode. So there are a lot of, there are numerous media available to you. One thing that I will stress generally in most really effective thought leadership is kind of an understanding of the art of the episode, uh, understanding the psychology of why people keep coming back, which is it is usually achieved by some balance of something that's interesting, uh, you know, novel, unique, innovative, and reliable. In other words, it's new and it has something of the same. So that's why, you know, we go back and we watch... Um, uh, uh, you know, um, a, a TV show over and over and over again. Well, it's the same. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna see the same people in the same situation, um, but it's new because the story keeps moving along. Um, comic books really mastered the art of the episode, you know, for decades and decades. Uh, TV really really good at it. Um, detective authors, if you follow any of the serial detective series, boom. Um, they're a master at this. So we've got um, episodic media that are frequently used, like a YouTube channel or an email newsletter or a podcast like this or digital print publications or the delivery of useful tools. There are, there are a lot of options, a lot of options, but you want to you want to pick one, ideally, where you've, you really own the platform um, because this is how your audience builds over and over and over again. Um, so you will uh, have to make a strategic decision. Again, this is a balance between what's natural to you, most uh, a medium that um, matches your skill set, but also one that your market will consume. <clears throat> this gets us to secret number nine, connecting thought leadership to your marketing engine. And so this is boom, now the rubber hits the road. We've selected our market. We've done that well. Uh, we've created... A process that makes it easy for us to create uh, our messaging. Um, and uh, we've identified some way to cultivate that sense of who we are. Yeah, l- l- let, me, let me circle back on that one for a moment here. Um, pe- people follow people. Um, and, um, and, and, and you want to just, you want to give some care, just like when they create a TV show, they create a character. Um, you know, yours needs to be real. You need to be sincere and you need to be transparent. Um, you know, some people think, oh, Michael Jans, he lives a fascinating life. He lives next to three million acres of national forest out in the desert in the middle of nowhere. And he works in his casita with his puppy, Henry, and Teresa in our art studio in the, in the next room. 
Um, but you know, if you followed me around all day, you'd say, God, it's really boring. It's not to me. I mean, it's, it is the quietest life of anybody I know. That's interesting. Uh, but if you followed me around, what's Michael doing? Oh, he's walking Henry. Oh, well, what's he doing now? Oh, he's feeding Henry. Uh, he's taking the garbage out. So you want to pick and choose carefully. That's why this, that's so important. Um, so um, connecting thought leadership to your marketing engine. So you, there, there are elements to this. You, yes, you've got to consider hey, lead generation. Where are we going to get them? Are we, going to, uh, are we going to perform list extraction? I can show you how to do that in five minutes from LinkedIn. Are we going to do cold mailing? I can show you unique ways to do that. Uh, pay-per-click advertising? I'll refer you to the person that can do that. Uh, blogging uh, so that uh, we increase our search engine optimization. Uh, how about social? So let's, let's talk about how you can generate leads with social, uh, where you ultimately uh, you develop a following. And I'll show you three ways to do that. And then you, you drive them to something where, uh, you know, it's an asset where you exchange value. You give something to them and they give you their email address. And boom. Um, now now you, <clears throat> you're at the beginning of a sweet relationship and I see great hope for you. So uh, you've got, uh, like with social, there are three posts, three kinds of posts that... Um, in my experience and many other marketers, um, like let's say on LinkedIn, number one, the zinger lesson, some kind of a unique lesson. It's got a zinger that really makes people think about it. Or uh, number two, revealing the human side on this side of the posting, like, oh, this guy who <laughs> is a real human being with real thoughts and real feelings. And, and it helps people get to know you. Or three, the helpful resource where you share something uh, generally, um, like a, a curated, perhaps from somebody else, a tool um, or an insight um, that people can put to use. <clears throat> and then out of this, we build a 24 hour marketing funnel. So you've got, yes, you've got some thought leadership asset, and perhaps people can um, download it or subscribe to it. Um, and ideally, you're exchanging. Um, an email address for it. And you've got, now you've got email follow-ups and maybe an appointment setter. So whatever the assets are that are appropriate, the marketing tools, you put them together like a train. So now uh, we live in a world where there's a lot of noise and um, those who know how to rise above the noise uh, with a clear message that inspires people um, and earns their trust and respect um, and can connect that thought leadership to <clears throat> um, effective marketing that supports the thought leadership and supports the development of deeper, stronger relationships. Those will be the ones who win now, particularly in a world where there is a fair amount of commoditization. Um, and like I said, a lot of noise. And so, um, and, and the world has changed. <clears throat> every, every business can be a communication business. And if yours is not, trust me, somebody is going to figure out how to communicate effectively in your market. And they're going to do it before you unless you do it before them. And if you do it before them, you do have a big advantage as a first mover. So now, if you want to communicate to the marketplace, you don't need to wait for, you know, the next magazine ad, which is going to take you 60 or 75 days to get in the next publication or the next article that they're willing to publish for you next month or to speak at the at next year's annual conference that's put on by, you know, whatever your marketplace is or what have you. You, you know, your biggest timing issue is, well, should I do it today or do it tomorrow? You know, should I hit should I hit send now? <laughs> Um, you know, so, and, and your other big timing issue is like the zeitgeist and the sweet spot stuff that I spoke about earlier is just making sure that, uh, the timing of your message is hitting that sweet spot for, for people and, and uh, attracting their attention. That's it. Uh, and so if you believe that the money is in the loyalty, and I'm sure you probably do thought leadership marketing is the most effective, powerful way, method uh, that I'm aware of in marketing today. 
to, uh, to gain attention and do it in a way um, that uh, does it with trust and does it with respect and earns loyalty and allows you to do it with 110% integrity and to feel good about your business. And, uh, and that integrity, um, at some level, at some point, the people who follow you, they know that, they can feel that. Um, and that makes that relationship all that much deeper, longer, and, and stronger. And if that integrity is focused on their issues and their problems, the marketplace is yours to dominate. Um, so if anybody has any questions about this, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I do have more training on this and I have uh, more training on this be, uh, coming available um, relatively soon. So if you're interested, if this is a topic that um, resonates with you, if, if, the, if the promise of thought leadership uh, market domination. You know, this is everything I've spoken about is virtually free. You know, I mean, yeah, you probably need a landing page tool or maybe some email, but you know, this is cheap technology that everybody needs to have anyway. Everything I've spoken about is like virtually free, which is what one of the reasons it's so very attractive and it's proprietary to you. Nobody can copy you. Nobody can copy you. Um, so, if you are interested, uh, if this is a topic that interests you, a couple of ways to reach out to me for more information. One, Michael Jans on LinkedIn. Um, message me and, uh, I, and I'll get back to you. Or you can email me and um, you can do that at michael at michaeljans.com. And boom, uh, thanks so much for spending time with me today. And I hope to hear from you. And <laughs> uh, how do I send myself off as a guest? I'm used to sending other guests off. Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. <laughs> All right. Uh, what I will say to you who are listening, and I, I really want to say as we hit or approach 250,000 downloads, uh, my heart's filled with gratitude. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.